0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. The Vikings over under is set, and Lamar Jackson requests a trade. Arif Hassan and I discuss that on today's Minnesota football party.
1: Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcasts.
0: Welcome in. Happy Monday. It's the Minnesota football party. No Lukes today. We're Lukeless. It's Arif Hassan of Pro Football Network at Arif Hassan NFL delivering the analysis today. I'm Sam Ekstrom on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom covering the Vikings here at Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Arif, we got plenty to get into, but before we do that, a reminder that the show is brought to you by FanDuel. It's the official sports book of Lockdown. You can make every moment more by going to fanduel.com slash locked on um, a reef. Here's what I want to get to today. Just breaking in the last couple hours, Lamar Jackson tweeting that he has requested a trade officially from the Baltimore Ravens. We'll talk about his landing spot. Maybe whether again, we'll address whether the Vikings make any sense at all for Lamar Jackson. Uh, I want to talk Marcus Davenport and Dean Lowry. They both sports reporters late last week. We'll talk about their ceilings. And uh, maybe a little nerdy stat of the day, and I've got a crazy trade scenario to run by you that I got in my Twitter mentions last week. Uh, Arif Hassan, hope your weekend was swell. Uh, how you doing
1: today? I'm
0: good. I'm even
1: better knowing that we're lukeless, as you know. This has been a dream of mine for quite some time. Uh, but yeah, though no, my my weekend went pretty well. i was uh, I drove a lot, actually. I ended up having uh, to take like a sixteen
0: hour road trip. so Wow. I hope that was yeah. was this like a, a planned road trip? It it one? was. It was a it was okay. a short-term plan.
1: Um, okay. but but certainly I did not wake up one morning and find out I was taking a road trip that day. So
0: yeah, those are usually the worst kind of road trips. Yeah. Um well, well good deal. Let's talk a little football. Um, the Vikings have an over-under, and typically when Caesars or DraftKings or FanDuel releases these no- these totals. They usually funnel to the middle. The bad teams are expected to improve. The good teams are expected to regress. And usually it ends up around the 500 mark. And sure enough, the Minnesota Vikings are expected to be an 8.5 game winner, which is exactly the 500 mark. They are projected second in the NFC North behind the Detroit Lions, nine and a half, the Vikings, eight and a half, the Packers and Bears paired up at seven and a half, wins so very much in the middle how would you evaluate the handicapping of the nfc north I, I how could i possibly disagree with this after all of the things that i said
1: about the vikings and the lions this past season how could i possibly disagree with this like maybe i would disagree half win one way or the other maybe even kind of a full win but i think having said that the vikings were playing like a 500 team all year knowing that the Vikings probably got better, but not in ways that are, that are immediately tangible, right. You know, like Brian Flores is an upgrade over at Donatel, but you know, we don't know what's going to happen on the defensive side of the ball, whether or not it's Smith is going to be there. You know, what kind of opportunities, you know, Dean Lowry, Marcus Davenport are going to provide, which we'll talk about later in the show, of course, what's going to happen at cornerback, right. We don't know any of these things, right. So for me, yeah, we might be able to project some level of improvement in the defense, but overall, I mean, this is a team that was a close game maven, right? They they got into a bunch of close games. They happened to win them, but, you know, historically you take a look at teams that win a bunch of close games one year, they don't win them the next year. So yeah, it's fundamentally, it seems like a 500 team to me. Um, it makes sense. Hopefully, you know, we'll see some stuff happen in the draft or free agency or second round free agency and in training camp that'll prove that wrong, but, Tough to say after losing, you know, kind of some some offensive firepower with Adam Thielen. As for the Detroit Lions, I mean, take a look at that second half of the season. It was not just close game wins for them. It looked like they were playing good football, right? And so mm-hmm. if that continues, I mean, they kept their coordinators against all odds, I think. Uh, and it seems like they had a really good free agency. They're well positioned in the draft. I don't know. It, it seems like they're a pretty good team. This is the first time they've been favored since 2006 to win the division. Or, wow. 1996, maybe.
0: Yeah. That's, inc- that's incredible. Yeah. So 2006 would have been Joey Harrington era. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, it was, maybe I read it wrong. It might've been all the way back to 96, the Barry Sanders era, right? Amazing. That that really is incredible. Um, And it makes sense with the Packers quarterback situations for the past 25 years. I don't know if there's a move, Sands, Lamar Jackson, that would change these lines. I don't know if if the Vikings bring in another veteran cornerback, doesn't move the needle. Um, if they draft really anyone in the first round, even if it is it, it is a quarterback. That's well, not a quarterback move the absolutely would not, right?
1: Because it would it would, it would, the presumption would still be that Kirk Cousins would would start, right? So that doesn't change much. Absolutely. Right. Uh, the but, only thing would be if they traded Kirk Cousins, which they won't because the the cap ramifications of trading Kirk Cousins under this new deal are extraordinary, right? So they wouldn't be able to do that. Uh but yeah, I mean other like I, I mean I guess if you if you like made a move for Lamar Jackson, but I think more likely the Lions uh could make a move for Lamar Jackson more than that's the, what the I Panthers thought. Yeah. yeah. So um, you know, if we're talking about Lamar, it's probably in that direction. The only other thing that would change these odds, of course, are if if the Packers and Aaron Rodgers come to some sort of resolution, which <laughs> as
0: I'm saying and I'm laughing, right? This seems pretty un- unlikely. What but if, if the Packers get two firsts? for Rogers and immediately turn that around to the Ravens and get Well, Lamar. they could. Oh God, that would be so funny. Um, that could
1: happen, right? Um, especially now that you don't, you're not restricted in what you can trade uh, because the franchise rules were pretty weird around that. Now it's not a franchise rule thing. It's just a trade thing. So uh, yeah, they, they could flip, uh, they could flip what they, they trade for Rogers to get Lamar. Um, they could, for example, if they trade Rogers, might get players back and those players might be valuable. Right. So um, Mm -hmm. that, that could change things, but um, unless it's a a change at quarterback, probably not much is going to
0: happen there. Yeah. That's a, that's a very interesting saga with Lamar Jackson. And I think Vikings fans probably, unless they get him themselves, probably hoping that he stays out of this conference. I think going to the Colts would be very satisfactory for anyone in the NFC. Yes, please stay over there. We mm. don't need another another quarterback in the NFC because every team feel like that has a viable quarterback is looking around the conference and saying, "Wow. I mean, we've got a chance. Like with Kirk with Kirk Cousins, we have a chance in this conference. We don't need to add any more talent to this conference. Please stay over there. Um don't go to San Francisco. Don't don't do anything like that. Right. Oh but- god, San Francisco would be
1: obscene obscene pairing that with kyle shanahan those
0: receivers that offensive line they uh uh john lynch declaring this morning that brock purdy is the leader in the clubhouse if he's healthy to be the starting quarterback in san francisco it's it's like two outs right because that's of
1: the people in the clubhouse and if he's healthy that's you're good you're golden dude you could trade for him
0: without lying at all trey lance he's still, I think, got to be shopped to some extent. You got to at least see what teams are willing to give up. Maybe it's not not much. Yeah, Like maybe there's just not enough on tape. Maybe the injury concern is too high to to really get anything meaningful, but I would still be looking to move him and seeing what you can get. Um, Any other targets that you would like or landing spots for Lamar Jackson at this point?
1: I mean, besides like the lions, potentially, you know, the Colts and the, and the 49ers, uh, I think the Atlanta Falcons would make a ton of sense. I know that they yeah. put themselves out of the market when it was a discussion about free agency. Right. Um, but when you get to negotiate the the trade terms, it's a little bit different than being forced to give up two firsts. Right. Uh, and and offering a deal that you don't know if it'll be accepted. So um, obviously there's like some like a cultural aspect to it. You know, Lamar Jackson's following the the trail blazed by. Uh, Michael Vick, that's cool, right? But the point is to make the team better, and this would make the team better. It pairs really well with what Arthur Smith does as an offensive coordinator. There were four essentially running quarterbacks uh, in the NFL or, or teams that were willing to run the quarterbacks as an element of their offense, as opposed to they just threw it into their offense, but as a, as a critical component of their offense. And uh, despite Marcus Mariota not being quite the runner that like Daniel Jones or Josh Allen or... Um, you know, Lamar Jackson is, you know, they did a really, really great job incorporating quarterback runs. They've got a really interesting uh, team there around him, but like if they, if they trade for Lamar Jackson, I think Arthur Smith would know how to use that. Um, But you, you pair that with like Cordero Patterson, Tyler Algier, uh, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. I think that you've got a really exciting team and they're able to bring back more of their offensive line than I really anticipated. And so they've got uh, a pretty good offense set up around them. They made some moves on defense that I think could bear out. Uh, so the Atlanta Falcons, I think, could immediately become favorites in the NFC South, put themselves in playoff position mm-hmm. right away by trading for Lamar Jackson. So I think that that would be good. But yeah, I think that that and then like an outside shot would be the Houston Texans. The only reason I say them is because they're the one team, maybe besides maybe the Colts, right, that would be able to get a first round pick back in a trade. Right. Because the second overall pick is so valuable. Right. And there are good quarterbacks in this draft that if they traded the second overall pick to the Ravens for Lamar Jackson, yeah. they would get picks back. Like, that's crazy, right? And so uh, they might be able to get a first-round pick back. They'd be able to pick. Uh, they had a really great free agency, um, you know, getting, uh, you know, uh, Robert Woods and and uh, having um, uh, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Ward sign with them. They were able to grab, yeah. um, you know, they, they've got a pretty decent offensive line. They obviously have to improve there. But they don't have to sacrifice their opportunities to build in the draft in order to get Lamar Jackson. So that's kind of the one area where it's like, yeah, maybe, you know, D'Amico Ryans knows what, you know, an interesting offensive coordinator quarterback uh, combination could do for them. Um, they, they were actually pretty exciting for agency. They don't have to trade Brandon cooks now in this scenario. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that could work out for them.
0: And the theoretical Vikings package for Lamar Jackson, Kirk cousins and what, what needs, what would need to go to Baltimore?
1: I think you'd still have to trade a first. Right. But um, be like Kirk Cousins and a first. But because you're taking on a pretty significant cap hit and whatever new deal you're going to work out with Jackson, it's not going to be as expensive as like moving up into the first round for a player. Right. Because that first round player is going to be eight million dollars. The more Jackson's to be 40 million. Right. Mm -hmm. And so probably it would be maybe a first round pick and then a third. I don't actually think if you're adding Kirk Cousins in there. I mean, the Ravens become competitive, right? You know, I don't trust Kenny Pickett and the Steelers. I don't trust, you know, whatever the Cleveland Browns are going to be able to put together with Deshaun Watson because he hasn't played well, right? It's just the Bengals. And I think that you've got, which is a lot, right? But I I think that becoming immediately competitive um, and seeing what a good passing game can do, right? Like seeing like if it really is the receivers, right? I think I think that is probably, but you still would probably have to give up a first round pick, just not that much more, unlike other teams.
0: Weird shift. Um, if the Ravens went from Lamar Jackson to Kirk Cousins yeah. as their quarterback. Yeah. I'm just so befuddled by by what exactly is going on with Baltimore because I love parts of that organization. Like the relationship between coach and quarterback seemed unbelievable. Um, the analytically forward thinking seemed unbelievable. You know, really cool to me. It doesn't mean people. It doesn't mean that people are treating you well, but I just liked their mindset there. I loved what they did in drafts, and yet the players that they got in drafts didn't always pan out. We're always happy in Baltimore, um, and this relationship with the Mars just deteriorated. So I'm I'm so confused. There's a very there's a duality with what I'm observing in Baltimore. Do you have any any gut on on what exactly the breakdown has been here?
1: Uh, I mean, I think that there's something to be said, like we have been praising the Baltimore Ravens front office. Uh, I mean, since they, they were the Ravens, right. Since they stole the team from Cleveland. Right. So um, since Ozzie Newsome took over uh, that, we've been really just, and by we, I mean, the NFL media at large has been really ecstatic, but they've, they've hurt the relationship with a lot of players over the years, a lot of players, not just Lamar Jackson. Um And a lot of teams leave the Ravens or a lot of players leave the Ravens kind of happy that they did. Uh, And so, which I find really interesting because there's a perception of a really well-run organization there. And I think that it's fair to say that John Harbaugh is a a good coach, but um, the long-lasting relationship aspect of it just doesn't seem to be something that's there. And I think that with Lamar Jackson specifically, all of those elements are at play. The Ravens have long been an organization that has basically dared their free agents to to hit free agency and then come back and see if their market value is uh, is appropriate. And they lose a lot of players that way. Um, they've long been an organization that does that with a quarterback. It is a little bit different because there is some element of like lost trust or like a loyalty thing. But on top of that, all of that is, is there all of that hurts the relationship, but I think it gets supercharged with the lack of an agent because all of the negotiating tactics you'll use with an agent to diminish a player's value, you're now using to the play on at the player's face, right? You're telling yeah. the player that you don't think that he's worth very much. Right. And, and that's a part of negotiation. And that's one reason among like a, a dozen that players often get agents. Um, But like you, like Lamar Jackson comes to the table and says, Hey, I was an MVP candidate. I was a unanimous MVP in 2019. Um, I did really amazing stuff. You take a look at, you know, what it's like when I'm there, what it's like when I'm not there, I am a great quarterback. And the Ravens respond with, uh, you know, you can't pass the ball well enough to be considered franchise quarterback. You get hurt all the time. Uh, you know, we'd love to have you, but, right, uh, you know, there are these elements that we're concerned about. We don't think that you're a very good passer yet. We don't think that you're very durable. We don't think um, that, you know, we can win in the playoffs with you. And you're a player. You're going into that negotiation hoping to to advocate for yourself and you come out of it feeling like, you know, what the Ravens actually think about you when the whole point of a negotiation is to diminish the other teams or the other side's value so that you can get the best deal possible. Um, I guess that's probably not how a lot of people would define a negotiation, but that's one element of, you know, getting the best possible deal. And so that, I think, you know, really maximizes that 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 problem. And then there's even yeah. a perception among at least some Ravens players, right, that Lamar Jackson could have played last season through injury and he didn't. Um, I know that that, you know, it hit social media for a little bit, and so some people got pretty upset about that. So all of those,
0: I think, play a role. It's messy. It's complicated. That's for sure. And I I would have never anticipated this outcome. But here we are. Amar Jackson seems to be moving on, says he requested a trade March 2nd. Uh, We're going to talk Marcus Davenport and Dean Lowry's impact and ceiling on the Vikings after I remind you that FanDuel Powers today's show and all the shows on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. March Madness is heating up. We've got our final four. Arif Hassan is sweating out the bracket pool, hoping that he wins. There's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no sweat first bet. Up to $1,000. Yes, $1,000 back in bonus bets. If that first bet, for some reason, does not win, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Sign up today. Claim your no sweat first bet. You can wager on everything from money lines to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the nets uh, in the final four. That's all on the safe, secure, super easy to use app. Don't miss your chance at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If the first bet doesn't win at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Sign up there. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Uh, Arif, let's let's give the update on the bracket pool. Oh, I think man. this is this is the scenario as I understand it. You're leading. You've lost yeah. your champion. Yeah, you've there's, lost there's... all of your point. You've lost all of your point gaining possibility. Um, yeah.
1: So my understanding is that there are two people within striking distance of me that have their champion left, and those champions are UConn and Miami, right? If I, don't, I don't see a
0: Miami. I see okay. I'm I'm another bracket pool. I'm in then. Okay, um, a UConn. Who can catch you?
1: Yeah. So that's the issue is because I do have UConn going pretty far, but in order to win, I think I need UConn to lose as quickly as possible and close me out entirely. And so my hopes are in Texas making the championship game. Those are my only opportunities, I think, to make points.
0: Um, it's so, it's, it's rough out there. Yeah. So so here's here's how I'm seeing it. You had UConn in the Final Four. But you had Texas in the championship. Texas is out. Miami, had, Miami okay. beat. You know Miami's in the final four in that in that regional. Okay, so yeah. you cannot gain another point. But so I so I just need UConn to lose. That's it. You need UConn to lose, and you will win. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. It's gonna that's be that's rough. That's rough. Oh who my Who is gosh. who is this guy that you're competing against? Um, Evan McGraw. Evan McGraw. Evan McGraw. If you're watching, DM Arif, DM me, we'll get you on the show so you guys can smack talk before the Final Four. Evan McGraw, who had...
1: I should have trusted... Because remember, the one one pick I did not make based on vibes alone was UConn. That's the only team that I changed my mind on because I saw outside information. It was because of a TikTok. And I apparently (laughs) should have trusted that one more. I guess because it was just a TikTok about betting odds, right? And I should have trusted that one more and just had t- taken UConn to the championship because if I'd done that,
0: I there's no way I lose, right? But I mean, that's, that's true of every bracket pool, I guess. But um, I'm so close. I'm so close. The, to yeah, U- this up. guy, McGraw, I mean, there, there's a lot of red, red marks here on this bracket. Yeah, for everyone. That, that side,
1: that bracket is pristine. The West bracket for McGraw, pristine. McGraw
0: did not miss in the UConn corner of the bracket. Literally perfect. Yeah. That's wild. And
1: and honestly the 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 bracket opposite that um did pretty well. Obviously picked Purdue instead of uh fairly Dickinson and FAU, but otherwise I mean that's a really good other side of the bracket too comparatively mm-hmm. speaking. So this is Evan mcgraw I either you know as much about basketball as I do and we're both just kind of swinging wildly or you know a lot. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh well we're rooting for well we're obviously rooting for Evan to beat you but uh I mean but... you are. I I understand everyone in the Lockdown Network
1: rooting for Evan McGraw that's fair if I was in a different spot I would too but
0: well not Ron Johnson though Ron Johnson has to pay the pay the bonus if Evan wins if you win then it's just the normal like pot the side pot that we have but if Evan wins <laughs> and beats the Locked On host then Ron Ron's gotta pay I'm not up. eligible for Ron's money oh man yeah I, <laughs> I know. didn't read the you... contest rules. You, you are too, yeah, you're too ingrained in the team. Um, <laughs> here's what we're getting into next Marcus Davenport and Dean Lowry, the new Vikings defensive lineman. They spoke to reporters last week. A couple good nuggets from that. Um, Dean Lowry saying that quasi Adolfo Mensa, and this is quasi, mind you, this is the GM, this is not the coach, this is not the defensive line coach. Quasi approached Dean during their meetings and told them that he was bad. Well, not really that. He told them where he wanted him to get better, where he feels like he has room to improve. And was very forward about that. And that actually, it caught Dean Lowry off guard, but impressed him. Um, so that's an interesting, I thought, approach from Quasi Adolfo Mensa And then both Lowry and Marcus Davenport, very honest about the seasons they had in 2022, that they both felt like they left something on the table. Uh, Marcus Davenport only had half a sack. Dean Lowry uh, regressed, he had like 23 fewer pressures and granted he played a lot less in that Green Bay rotation. Both of them think they left some meat on the bone. What do you think about their ceilings in this defensive line rotation for the bikes?
1: Right. So uh, yeah, this is a, a different question than like, was it a good signing or what are the odds that they play well? It's just what happens if they happen to play well. There's the ceilings for both of them are tremendous. I don't think anyone kind of denies that given their level of play in the past. I think, you know, I, I've never been a Marcus Davenport fan. I thought that the saints, uh, I thought he shouldn't have been a first round pick that year. I thought the hype at the senior bowl was all wrong. I thought that the saints overpaid for him. Remember they traded a first round pick to the green Bay Packers uh, in order to, to, to get that first round pick. Uh, so for, two firsts essentially uh, to, to get Marcus Davenport. And I thought that that was a huge mistake, but, you know, separating that from who he is as a player, what he's done in the NFL since then, and what his potential is, his potential is really tremendous. I mean, he is, uh, when he's healthy, a really great athlete when he is, uh, locked and loaded, he's 265 to 280 pounds. He is, uh, you know, he's got tremendous length, great burst, not as much cornering ability as you expect out of an edge defender, but extraordinary strength, uh, fantastic, uh, lower body explosion, um he has the ability to make you know 15 sacks a year if everything is clicking and some balls bounce his way now the thing is last year he did not play well but he did not play as poorly as half a sack kind of implies i did mention on the last show that i was on that you know there is something to that noise that it's not all just pressure rate right that the reason he finished poorly was cuz he was out of shape and those sacks are representative of the fact that he couldn't finish but there is something to the fact that he did get those pressures. So if he's in shape and he is, you know, a decent pressure producer, he's a little bit above average as a pressure producer from my understanding last year. Um, and then you've got a lot of opportunity with him and Daniil Hunter to really, really make some noise. And the thing is he um, last year was double teamed at a higher rate than Cameron Jordan, which is pretty weird, hmm. right? Uh, also, he had a higher pass rush win rate than Cameron Jordan pretty weird right like given the reputations of both players the performances of both players and stuff like that um he has something there that he still has uh left to achieve and i think the vikings have under quasi. i think the past two free agencies have shown that they're really willing to buy the dip i mean that's what darius smith was they bought the dip right and i think that that's what's happening with marcus davenport i think with dean lowry kind of a similar thing now i don't know why Lowry seemingly lost a lot of his lower body explosion in 2022. In 2021, you take a look at his bull rushing capability, his ability to collapse the pocket, his ability to close off these run lanes, uh, especially in the second half of 2021. And he was dominant. I mean, he was really, really quite good. You compare him the second half of 2021, you compare him to other interior defensive linemen. You could make the case that he was a top 10 interior defensive lineman for the second half of 2021. Wow. That is his ceiling. I don't know if you'll ever hit that, right? But that is his ceiling. Um, now, in 2022, uh, you know, you mentioned that he had fewer snaps. That's for a reason, right? He wasn't playing as well, so they gave him less time. Uh, he didn't collapse the pocket. He was beaten off the snap. His uh, explosion just wasn't there. Don't know what the issue was. Uh, now, it'd be really curious if if Quasi figured out what the issue was. And communicated that to Dean Lowry, which I, of all people in the front office, the person I, would, I think would be least, I guess, capable of doing that is crazy. And I think yeah. he's one to admit that, right? And so he surrounds himself with football people who uh, do a much better job at kind of evaluating these things. Certainly they signed off on this sort of thing, but I find that really interesting. And 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 this is another player where you're buying the dip, where he's coming off of a down year. And you're making sure you get the most out of it. Now, that's not always the case. I don't think they bought Byron Murphy at a dip, but I think that we're seeing a pattern emerge where they buy players at a dip, hoping that they've purchased the ceiling for pretty cheap, and they put trust in the coaching staff to be able to activate that ceiling. And I think that's why the workout yeah. bonus for Marcus Davenport, by the way, is so tremendous. You see that a million dollar workout bonus? Um, yes. That, that I mean, he showed up to training camp last year, 300 pounds. That can't happen. I think the workout bonus in part, I don't know if there's a cap ramification to it. I doubt it actually. Um, but I, I think the workout bonus in part is because he he couldn't make weight last year. Uh and and uh and and he was supposed to be playing at 280 pounds. For most of his career, he struggled to get up to 280 during the season. He would drop down to 260 and he'd have to force himself to to gain, right? Both with working out and with eating. Difficult mm-hmm. for him to get to 280. He gets injured right at the end of, I think, 2021. And his injury recovery is slow enough that he's still eating the amount that he would need to eat in order for his workouts to work out. But he's not working out as much. So he shows up to camp 300 pounds. He's sluggish all season, all season. So I think that the million dollar workout bonus is tied to that.
0: That's super interesting. It might explain, too, why he's never been a three down guy. I mean, maybe stamina was an issue. Maybe just run stopping yeah, he's in never general. had,
1: what, over 600 snaps in a season, something like that?
0: Co- correct, yeah. I think he's... he was
1: slated to this season. And and given the 300-pound issue, they were
0: like, we, we can't do this. And that also might explain why he hit free agency and was not extended oh, yeah, no, 100%. prior. Like, like, like all, pro- all of that... Prior to, to
1: some of the several, like I would say the reason he didn't hit six hundred in mean, he has had injuries that plays a role. But also like Trey Hendrickson was there right before he signed with the Bengals. Um, and so he mm-hmm. was he was second fiddle to to Trey Hendrickson and Cameron Jordan. So he's part of a rotation. He's a third down guy. His pressure production on third down. Everybody's pressure production on third down is a lot better. So his pressure production was kind of um, uh, misleading. And then he gets a full time job and just in time for him to get a full time job, he gets injured. And so he doesn't get to play 600 snaps 2021, 2022 he's, you know, out of shape. So Mm -hmm. that is a huge concern, right? That he hasn't played 700 plus snaps in the season.
0: Yeah. His, uh, his 2021 where he had nine sacks, he converted um, sacks on such a higher percentage of his pass rush snaps than usual. So it was like one sack per, 33 pass rush snaps his career average is one sack per 66 um so he was literally twice as efficient in 2021 and there's probably an element of luck to that because this is a guy that's been top 15 in pass rush win rate each of the last four years like he he is good at winning at the line of scrimmage but his ability to finish the deal and even produce the pressure has been more uh variable so I guess if you say that Zadarius is out of the picture, let's just assume that for the sake of the exercise. Sure, let's assume it. Then what is what is the rotation then for the Vikings? Is it is Davenport staying off the field on first down? Who would be the first down outside linebacker at that point?
1: I think the plan is for Davenport to be on the field. Um, I think how it ends up playing out in camp, you know, whether or not he shows up in shape, whether or not he's well-conditioned, whether or not the first couple of games, you know, that it it turns out to be a good idea. I don't know, but I think the plan is for, you know, Marcus Davenport and Neil Hunter to be out there. Mm -hmm. If we don't have a Zedarius Smith, I think, I think Patrick Jones takes it. Um, You know, I think that what our lives, I think has DJ Wanham technically ahead of Patrick Jones, which, you know, who knows, but Mm -hmm. I I think it's probably Patrick Jones. Um, He, He has not progressed as quickly as as I'd I'd kind of hoped for. Um, But I think that he has shown more. Now, I know that DJ Wanham's statistics are better, but I think that Jones has showed more from a traits perspective to to tell us that he's probably deserving of that spot. Now, very likely, they would draft somebody in the third or fourth round, right, to to compete at the spot at the edge. Um, It's just harder now to draft a third or fourth round edge rusher than it was five, seven years ago when the Vikings were were capable of just producing an edge rusher out of the third or fourth round because teams have figured out the athletic traits that the Vikings were targeting for about a decade. Um, teams have figured out what athletic traits translate into production, and now a bunch of raw edge rushers going in the first round. Daniil Hunter would not go in the third round if he was in the draft this year, right? You mm-hmm. know, his one-and-a-half sacks at LSU, his outstanding athletic uh, traits, Marcus Davenport is actually a product of Daniel Hunter's success. You know, Davenport going in the first round. So um, right. I, I think that it's it's going to be difficult, but I still think that they want to target somebody in the third or fourth round uh, to compete with Patrick Jones and DJ Wanham.
0: Let, let's let go down the buying the dip rabbit hole for a second. So looking at the last two years of signings, Z'Darrius Smith bought the dip. Um, Patrick Peterson. Bought the dip.
1: I would say, yeah, that's a buy, that's a
0: buy the dip. Yeah. I, the, the original, the original yeah. Patrick Peterson signing bought yeah. the dip. Jordan Hicks, kinda, kind, kinda, kind of. yeah. Uh, the, Harrison the Phillips finding. and Byron Murphy are not
1: buy the dip players, but a lot of these no. guys are.
0: No, and some of them are like some of them are just in a perpetual dip, like Jalen Rager. You're buying a career long dip with. The a hope career of a
1: career-long dip, a yeah. career-long
0: dip. But, hoping... but with this, I get what you're getting at. There is a ceiling to unlock
1: there potentially. Yeah, it,
0: yeah, yeah. If you're buying someone who's underperformed at that age with that pedigree, same with Ross Blacklock, you're hoping to get something out of it. Um, oh, yeah, and then
1: I then I would say that uh, Jonathan Bullard, in some ways, right
0: mm-hmm. a
1: pedigree that's kind of worth like looking into, but a career-long dip, if you will.
0: Yeah, and then letting Duke Shelley walk—that would be the opposite. So, what's yeah. the what's the antonym of buying the dip? Selling, I, from, the, selling spike? the peak, right? Yeah, selling, selling yeah. the peak. Yeah, yeah, because they didn't. And I still am mystified about the Shelley thing, but not wanting to pay million and a half, two million dollars for someone who had sort of an anomalous season. Maybe that's part of the strategy financially. So, I, I so think I so have been useful. Know, I. I I, I think that there's a reason. So
1: I, personally, I would have offered Duke Shelley one and a half million. Right. So I'm not saying that the reason that the Vikings are are giving is 100 percent sound. But I understand it. Right. Because as soon as you start paying someone over a million and a half, right, or over a million dollars, there is some level of expect, especially if it's like guaranteed in some way there's some level of expectation. You're you're beginning to take up portions of the cap that you would use to like fill in uh, during like emergency signings off the street uh, to uh, you know, get, get, take the most advantage of the second wave of free agency to offer bonuses to your preferred undrafted free agent, things like that. So it becomes like a a, a substantial enough where you have to feel like you're going to get something back. And the problem again, Duke Shelley played really spectacularly last year. But we have seen a lot of players, especially for the Vikings, play really well for the back half of a season when they were thrust into an opportunity that we never thought that they were going to have, and then fizzle out. Right beyond that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think Oliudo is a really good example of that. Um, you know, some of our favorites over the years have been a good example of that. Alexander Holland is a, is another good from the same game as Oliudo, right? <laughs> um, you know, we we've seen a lot of players do this, right? Um, where where for like a, a some chunk of time,
0: Charles right? Johnson is. I was going to say example. Charles
1: Johnson, right? And then I and then I was yeah. like, did did he ever do that? But yeah, I think Charles Johnson is a really good example of that. Um, where uh where there's just like some some amount of time where a player with a with an uncertain pedigree does really well for a short period of time, and then it just it just kind of fizzles out. Um, the problem is, given that history, given that knowledge of how those players uh perform. Generally speaking, the Vikings would go into this next season not having a position for Duke Shelley to play as a starter. He would not start for the Vikings. In an ideal world, the Vikings signed Duke Shelley for like one and a half million dollars. They would not change their cornerback plans one iota. They would still draft a guy to play opposite Byron Murphy, right? And that means that in an ideal world, Duke Shelley doesn't play a snap. Like there's not a lot mm-hmm. of players that you pay a million and a half dollars to that you don't anticipate playing. And that's where I think the Vikings are coming from. Now, I, again, I would have paid him, right? I think it's still a good move, but I understand where they're coming from is that there's, there's a, a a high unlikelihood that Duke Shelley wins a starting job and a relatively high likelihood that he may not even be the third or fourth corner. He might be your fifth. And how many fifth cornerbacks get a million and a half? Not many. Yeah.
0: Well well stated, for sure. And we'll see what happens with him in Las Vegas, too, with the new system I hope he proves
1: me wrong. That that would be a really great story.
0: Yeah, I was a fan of Duke Shelley. Um, I've made that known on this show. Uh, Before I get to a crazy trade scenario that Arif can debunk or agree with, I'm going to tell you that there's still days left to vote for your favorite built bar or puff at builtmarchmadness.com. When you vote for your favorite bar or puff, and they are so delicious – um, and probably hard to choose, honestly. But uh, you can be one of fifty lucky Locked On listeners to get a free box of Built by entering into that drawing. One lucky Locked On fan wins a twelve-month subscription to Built, so they can have the best bars and puffs delivered straight to their door. Four days left to vote. Vote for every day in the month of March. Um, why do you want to vote? Why do you want to enter to win these Built bars? Because they're the best protein bar ever on the planet. Seriously, they are so delicious with. real chocolate, and yet low sugar, low calories, high in protein to get that boost of energy. Go to builtmarchmadness.com right now. Vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. All right, Arif, this is the trade scenario that we're closing the show with. Um, Don John 2 has sent me a handful of these, and I love all of them. Here's his latest suggestion. Vikings trade Dalvin Cook and a fourth-round pick to the Bills for Stefan Diggs and a future fifth. Bills get a brother-brother running back tandem with James and Dalvin Cook. They free up cap space to land OBJ. Vikings bring back Diggs in the offense he always wanted with more protection due to uh, JJ and TJ. Um, so- who says no? So
1: okay so the so uh Dalvin Cook and what for Stefan Diggs and what?
0: Yeah, I think the compensation might need to be tweaked a little bit here. Um it's Cook and a fourth for Diggs and a future and a future fifth. Um I I'm not so the, the salary opening for Buffalo is the the play there or maybe Diggs wants to be traded anyway. I don't know. Um but I, more so than the nuts and bolts of the trade package, Arif, do you think that enough has changed in Minnesota that there is a world and it's a very, like there's just a sliver there to, to access this world where Stefan Diggs could come back to Minnesota and all could be right with the world. Um, so like right away, I think the Bills say no, because Stefan
1: Diggs is like a really critical part of their passing game. And they've really struggled to build a receiver group around him, which is why they signed Mm -hmm. Cole Beasley to a one-year deal the other year. Um, like they just haven't gotten as much about, uh, out of Isaiah McKenzie and Gabe Davis. Um, I don't think Isaiah McKenzie's even there anymore, right? So I, I don't think the Bills do it because they really want to have a high-level receiver. But if they did or if Stephon Diggs you know, forces his way out of a place again or something like that, has enough changed? I think so. I think that um, you could bring Diggs back to Minnesota. I don't think that there's a fan base issue with that. I think that the fans, generally mm-hmm. speaking, are – have positive feelings about digs, not just because of the Minneapolis miracle. Like if we eliminated that from everybody's memory, um, I think they'd just be like, yeah, I mean, he was a good receiver. He forced his way out. Now he's older, right? It's fine. Um it, It's not like, I mean, yeah, there are like some, there were some locker room issues with him and I don't know, if Kirk cousins or just Mike Zimmer, but you know, it's not like a Terrell Owens thing where it's just like he poisoned everything on his way out. He's impossible to win with him in a locker room. I, I think that it's just a, a situation where, Stefan Diggs had a particular understanding of what the offense would look like, especially when he signed that extension that did not materialize. Now he knows for a fact that this offense wants to throw the ball. Um, I think that he would be comfortable. I think that a lot of fans would be comfortable. I think the Vikings locker room would generally be pretty comfortable. The one thing is his best buds gone. Adam Thielen's not there anymore. So uh, that that's just kind of the one thing, but like, I think that the locker room would embrace him. I think that the new team, uh co- a coaching staff would embrace him um i think that the fan base would largely embrace him so i think it's possible from a like mechanistically would this with this locker room situation be a problem i think it's possible i don't think it's likely just cuz i don't see the bills doing it
0: no no um but i think that there are just some intangible pieces to like saying okay the bills had a really bad running game last year other than the quarterback. Now that counts, but the traditional running game was not good. Um, I could see a world where they say we need to bolster this up, take a little bit of pressure off Josh Allen, have a little bit more balance to our offense after what happened in the playoffs where we have to play outdoors in January. Um, Maybe, Oh look, we have this guy's brother on the roster. Cool. That would be fun. Um, And we free up cap space to go make this other signing here. I don't think it happens for the compensation, compensation suggested. I think it would have to be much more in favor of Buffalo. Um, However, I love the idea. Like I love tossing that out and I love, yeah, I I think, I think Dalvin cook to the
1: Buffalo bills is just like, Mm -hmm. that is that, that has the bones of an interesting trade proposal.
0: Yes. Um, And Stefan Diggs coming back here would be in a pretty big shadow. Um, And that shadow's name is Justin Jefferson. I don't think he has a huge problem with that. I
1: know a lot of people like, like to think that he's very much like I need to be the primary receiver. I need to be the, the center of attention. I don't think that he has a huge problem with that. I think one of the issues that he had was not that he wasn't getting the ball. He obviously had an issue with that, but rather that in losses, he wasn't getting the ball that, when they were losing, they didn't want to throw it to him. That's I think the issue with him. Um, he wasn't as big a household name in Buffalo as he was in Minnesota. And I think he was comfortable with that. It's not to say he wasn't a household name in Buffalo. He was right. But I, I think that he was really comfortable with the fact that he was on a great team. that was expected to win every year that did win every year that threw the ball a lot and threw the ball to him in wins and losses. Um, here, I think it'd be kind of the same thing. He wouldn't be the primary receiver. Maybe that gets his goat a little bit. But I I think, I mean, and from my understanding, he and Justin Jefferson actually have a pretty good relationship. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that he would be fine being the second best receiver. I think that he'd really like to be known as one of the two members of the best receiving duo in the NFL, which, you know, he was that once too. I think he's fine with that.
0: Do you want to feel old? Oh,
1: gosh. Yeah.
0: Stefan Diggs turns 30 this season.
1: Huh, get out. Off. Oh,
0: f- Ugh. Ugh. man. I remember talking to Diggs when he was the fifth round pick. No one knew who he was. No one cared who he was. And he was baby faced and he was just adorable. And now he's 30.
1: Yeah. I, rem- I remember when he, uh when he signed that first contract, everyone was so happy for him. I remember, uh, the first couple of practices after he had signed the contract, because it was announced, I think, at training camp, or was it uh was it spring or summer practices? Probably
0: training camp. That's how Spielman usually operated. Yeah.
1: yeah. So is announced in training camp. And the first after the first couple of practices, you were you turned to me and was like, Reef, I think Stephon Diggs is changing. And I was like, get out of here, man.
0: You're just looking for a story. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um I, you I been I, right. I'll, I will always say, yeah, I I feel like I had a pretty good read on Diggs, and and I heard, you know, I heard about stuff behind the scenes with him too, but after the Minneapolis miracle, which was probably the best thing to ever happen to him personally, um, there was, and media demands probably went up. Attention probably went, you know, through the roof for him and, and just what, what comes with that kind of fame. But yeah, there were, there were some attitude changes. There were the stuff you know, and I believe he got paid the year after that. Right. It was miracle yeah. then contract. Yeah. yeah. So a lot came at him at once, but I will always say this about Stefan Diggs, best practice player that I've still ever seen. Oh, he went better practice player than Thielen better than Jefferson. Like at that position, best practice player I've ever seen. Uh, I, I would say, I mean, it depends on kind of what qualifies. I think
1: Adrian Peterson, um, did a pretty good job as a practice player. Um, always went 100% in practices, always made sure to do the thing that was, uh, that was being kind of schemed up. But yes, Stefan Diggs went, went super hard in practices. I mean, like he Mm -hmm. was, even he's making people look silly in rookie mini camp because right. Like he, you would always go hundred percent and he would look phenomenal doing it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. there are players that would play hard in practice and, but didn't look like, like, wow, this guy looks like a star in practice. And then be outstanding in the regular season, right? I think Justin Jefferson is a really good example of that. He, Justin Jefferson practices really hard. He does everything he can. But during practices, he does not look like the player that he is on Sunday, right? Um, right. I, I think both Adrian Peterson and Stephon Diggs carry that quality where it's just like, man, alive. What is this guy doing to these poor defenders?
0: Yeah, and at the receiving position, you can do basically all the things that you'd be asked to do, like other than breaking tackles, I guess. You still have to beat the guy. You still have to run the route. You still have to track the ball. Uh, And he just showed all of those things so, so brilliantly in practice. Um, Arif, this was a good show. Just the two of us talking football. We'll uh, We'll get the Lukes back to your chagrin later in the week. But have a good rest of your day, Arif. Plenty, Uh, we got to plenty today. Marcus Davenport, Lamar Jackson, Vikings over-under. Uh, if you join this show late during the premiere, go back, watch the beginning on demand on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. You can also find us free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the Minnesota Football Party on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Thanks a lot for watching, everyone, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.
1: Hey, Prime members.